0: pick me up i'm scared the
1: podcast today i'm your host kenna and i'm your co-host madeline ooh we're switching it up
0: <gasps> we're uh, we're being different
1: yes <laughs> we're giving you varied and diverse content <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right to start off uh i'm asking you um uh, some questions. Okay. Some trivia, if you will. I'm ready. Um, this is some Los Angeles trivia. What does the Los Angeles school district, what do they not possess? Oh. A, grenade launcher. <laughs> B, tank. Oh my God, C, no. body armor. <laughs> D, a trove of rifles. <laughs> what? They have... Three out of the four of these things? Yes. I'm going to go grenade launcher. Okay, this is te- technically you are correct. Okay. However, at one point they did possess all of them. Oh my God. <laughs> and technically the tank is a mine resistant ambush protected armored vehicle, but I think you and I would call it I think it's a fucking tank. tank. Oh my um, god! Sadly, the UA, uh, the LAUSD police had to return the grenade launcher, um, but they kept the armored vehicle slash tank. Wow! And the body armors and guns. Uh, <laughs> this is according to a 2014 LA Times article uh, entitled. "Quote: Uh, LA school police will return grenade launchers, but keep rifled armor, uh, rifles and armored vehicle." By uh, Stephanie Caesar.
1: Wow, the grenade launcher in schools is really (laughs) just not something I'd previously considered as an option. I guess I didn't know we could do that.
0: I wow, (laughs) right?
1: Teachers want to teach, I guess. I mean, I I remember my aunt growing up, one time one of her teachers had a meltdown and just started throwing chairs at the children and they had to hide inside of like the (laughs) cabinet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess I'm glad they didn't have the grenade launcher in that situation.
0: Yes. I mean, I guess it's the school police, but still, I mean, they're like, they're like six year olds.
1: Yeah, we had police on campus at our school, and all they did was like get showy for people when they mouthed off about dress codes. So I'm not sure how a, a grenade launcher would have helped with a
0: dress code violation. Um, oh, I did. I I may have mentioned this before, but um, at my school we did have a rifle range under the school for uh, the ROTC. So there were weirdly rifles at your school. school. Yeah, which seems really. Uh, Sketchy. Yes. It's a little sketchy. It's a little little sketchy. (laughs) Fucking 90s, 2000s Colorado for you, I guess. I
1: mean, okay, so like I was in high school from 2000 to 2003 in Fresno, and it was like a gang school for sure. Like there were a lot of gang fights, but even at my school during that time, I cannot imagine the utility or use of a tank or grenade
0: launcher. Maybe there's something we don't know. There's something we don't know. Okay. (laughs) But uh, you may wonder what this has to do with the theme of this episode, which is the Olympics. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I'm wondering. I think we've talked about this before, but uh, did you know that the Los Angeles Police Department did not have tanks? Uh, until the 1984 Olympics, and I will talk about that later. Okay. Um, and, you know, al- although the Olympics may not have been the direct line to tanks in school, I mean, like, the only reason, we could talk about, like, 9-11, the military industrial con- um, you know, the police getting old military equipment, yes. you, know, you know, police unions, all that stuff. Um, but it is interesting that that is the first example uh, in recent history of basically LAPD having um a tank and acting like an army occupying LA.
1: And so the military gives to the LAPD and the LAPD gives to the LA uh, school district. <laughs> yeah, LASD that's the pasta and then the LASD has to find someone that they're going to give all their used tanks to. Oh my gosh it's just uh, this cycle. Yeah, yeah maybe wow. it'll be like a chef's union or something. Maybe they'll start
0: giving them to preschools. <laughs> maybe that'd be fun. <laughs> Little tiny tanks. Yeah. <laughs> But basically, it's, it's interesting to see how sports, and particularly the Olympics, are kind of intertwined with the, istri- the interests of, like, the elite and the military-industrial com- like complex. So, but first, what are your memories of the Olympics as a kid?
1: Oh, okay, okay. So, before we get into the ways in which the world is definitely fucked up, if I try to remember my idyllic, purest, young moments of the Olympics, um, all right, so I remember... The Olympics would come on and it was always really boring and I never wanted to watch it. I remember there were Winter Olympics and Summer Olympics and I did not care about any of them. I remember the movie uh, Cool Runnings came out. Oh, yeah. And I was like, maybe I care about Olympic luge. (laughs) And then I tried to watch it one day and got like three minutes in and was like, dad, this is boring. Can we please just put on The Simpsons? I hate this. Um, (laughs) So I remember always having a a strong disinterest for anything Olympics, um, that bordered on disdain. (laughs) So how about you
0: though? I just remember, uh, gymnastics and ice skating. That's the only things I really remember. I feel like when I was a kid, very, very small. Like, so I think there was like maybe one of the early, you know, 80s, maybe even the 80s Olympics being very, very small and watching them. And it was like, like early ninety or like 90s when I was a kid, it was like USA Gymnastics, like red, white, and blue uniforms done by like Ralph Loretta. You know, it's just like... Actually,
1: I am remembering now that as a kid in the late 80s or maybe like 1991, I had the Mary Lou Retton bi- biography. And she was like <laughs> an Olympic gymnast. And yes. when you said that, I just remembered the cover with her... In her, like, red, white, and blue spandex. And I did. I read this book because I got it for free from, like, a school book drive. I read it, like, a hundred times, but I don't know who Mary
0: Lou Retton is. <laughs> I just know she was a gymnast. I oh, never saw her. I feel like it was very, like, oh, that terrible song, Proud to be an American. Yes. Like, it was just, like, that moment of time in the USA in the 90s where people, like, non-ironically chanted, USA, USA. Yeah.
1: I agree. I remember a lot of patriotism, but I have always been too weird for sport. (laughs) So it did not affect
0: me. I was a little too weird for sport too. But um, yeah, I do just remember it being a big deal. It was a big deal. It was was a very big deal. 100% a big deal. Huge. Yes. Um, uh, What do you know about the history of the Olympics?
1: Literally nothing. (laughs) Like if I had to guess
0: how the Olympics
1: started, it'd be like... In Rome, a man once ran till his shoes fell off and his ankles bled and then he died. Like that to me would be the Olympic origin story. Something about... I I, fe- I feel like it's Greco-Roman in some capacity, but I don't know
0: why or if that's true. It is from Greece, and I like that story better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like the folksiness of it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Just came up with that. Um, the modern Olympics are based on the ancient Olympic Games that started in Greece um, around 776 BC to honor the god Zeus. And uh, the um, Olympics, as far back as it goes, was... Um, Not, unfortunately, about love of the game. Oh, Sports for sports sake, you know. It was really about uh, political and military maneuvering. Uh, Oh. And basically it was for the ruling class at the time because there were many competing city-states within Greece to kind of maintain uh, their status, you know, in society. Um, According to a, a quick Wikipedia search, quote... The games became a political tool used by city-states to assert dominance over their rivals. Politicians would announce political alliances at the games and in times of war, priests would offer sacrifices to the gods of victory. The games were also used to help spread Hellenistic culture throughout the Mediterranean. Interesting. So it really has always been about, you know, nationalism, political, uh, militaristic maneuvering rather than just like we love seeing people doing chariot races
1: yes you know what I'm thinking right now is that um this is pretty dark but the Olympics used to serve the same function that like the United States using nuclear weapons has served Mm. in modern history which is to scare other people into not attacking
0: us right or to be like we're the best don't you want to don't you want to be American
1: oh yeah I could see okay so this this idea is not completely foreign to me because definitely we've carried that concept through to current history
0: oh for sure and um also what has been carried through to current history is just corruption yes even back in the 700s BC it was um rife with political intrigue and corruption also from Wikipedia a fun quote for example, Parnassius, a, Greece, a Greek historian, explains the situation of the athlete Sotades. I'm pronouncing all of this That's wrong. Okay. So Sotades, the ninth, the 99th festival, was victorious in the long race and pro- proclaimed a Cretan, as in fact he was. But at the next festival, he made himself an Ephesian, being bribed to do so by the Ephesian people. For this act, he was banished by the Cretans.
1: Wow, so okay. There was
0: already lots of bribery, you know, lots of corruption, to lots of cheating. Eight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which seems funny um, for us now, but uh, for it's to me, it just seems like it might not be so, like, haha, innocuous because that corruption that bleeds over until today has very real consequences for us as a society, especially if. Rich people are using the games to just maintain the status quo, to make money off new buildings, and yet we still don't have dental insurance. Right. We can have, we can have the long jump, but no teeth for you. Yes. So um, they like after so you know going back to the history, like after a long break, they were kind of revived in like the 17th century in Britain. Oh. Um, And there were like some Olympic style games in Britain, starting in the 1600s and some in France in the 1700s. And then in the 1800s, some like Olympic style events were scattered around Britain, Stockholm and Greece. But like the modern day Olympics, as we know it, um, what, you know, for a permanent, you know, permanent game was uh, kind of revived during the uh, Greek War of Independence from the Ottoman Empire in 1821.
1: Whoa, so it's been
0: kind of since then going? Kind of. So basically, I'm kind of paraphrasing from like what, there's so much Olympic history out there. Like I'm sure, like there are books and books written about it. But basically, um, after the revival, they started doing games in Greece. Um, They revived uh, the Panathenaic Stadium to hold the games in Athens. Basically, it was kind of like rich, bored, aristocratic people wanting to revive the sport. Yes. You know, it seemed kind of like a a bored, rich people thing to do. But, and some like, you know, some nationalistic things, some like that um, mixed all together. Um, But it looks like the um, first, you know, games under the auspices of the IOC, the International Olympic uh, committee was in Athens in 1896. Um, there is there is a lot of like boring historical stuff about the games.
1: Now but. that you say 1896, I think I am remembering like the hundred year like century Olympic anniversary or something. Oh yeah, 1896 because yes. it was
0: Atlanta. You yes. remember that? Yeah. So okay, this um, is making sense to me. Yeah, there's a lot of Olympic history to cover between then, the past and the present. Um, I found an interesting book um, on the subject called Power Games, A Political History of the Olympics by Jules Boykoff. Uh, He has a lot of really insightful stuff. Um, To me, one of the most interesting things was they used to give medal for feats of artistic prowess in the early days of the modern Olympics. Um, Quote, a pentathlon of the muses ran astride uh, the athletic events consisting of competition in architecture literature, music, painting, and sculpture. The idea was to capture the spirit of the Greeks, who in the ancient Olympics blended physical with artistic aptitude to honor the gods. I mean, I I feel like that's kind of interesting. It's funny to me, it's like, why isn't it in the Olympics now? Like an architecture competition? (laughs) I mean, yeah, I feel like
1: a total, like I'm outing myself as a total nerd, but I'm like, I wouldn't watch an, an architecture competition in the Olympics. That sounds lovely. But I guess it doesn't make good TV.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or they would make it to like, like instead of being like, oh, we're having, we're seeing like who can write an amazing poem about world peace or like, you have 60 seconds to write a poem. It's like basically (laughs) Top Chef for poetry. I would watch that. (laughs) I would watch Top Chef for poetry. Also, that's how we got Frankenstein.
1: Oh. Right? Mary Shelley, overnight, she and all her friends were, like, at their, like, manor in the country, and she was like, let's have a game. And they were like, who can write the scariest story Ooh. overnight by tomorrow morning? So, you know, 60-second Top Chef poetry could yield some great works of American fiction. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. And um, this book has some, like, pretty interesting stuff in it. Um, the Olympics just has a long history of, like, using it for like military reasons, like nationalist reasons. There's just like there's a his, a really fucked up history of the Olympics being used for terrible propaganda reasons, like and it's, you know, it's basically for most of the time been run by like rich guys doing kind of like fucked up rich guy shit. Mm-hmm. Like Uh, It's really telling to me when the president of the IOC from 1952 to 1972 gives us this doozy of a fucked up quote. Okay. It's like, social security and other socialist measures give support to the lazy, the worthless, and the shiftless. Oh! (laughs) This is the president of the, the society thus destroys itself by interfering with nature's laws, which eliminates those who are unwilling to take care of themselves it is the same with medication, which extends the life of the unhealthy and eventually de- destroys virile society. We are doing the same with our tax laws, where we penalize the successful and handicap the strong and intelligent. See, he's just like a eugenicist. Oh, for sure, he's oh fucked my God. up. <laughs> he was, um, he was a fan of dictators. <gasps> Whoa, Le- that quote is heavy. Yeah, that's he's... why it's like the people. It's not just like sports games. Like it to me, like if the leader espouses casually yeah. this type of fucked up shit like it's not maybe by accident no I, I
1: that quote alone really like re but not reshapes it, I mean I never had it in good
0: light but you know
1: you're like okay so this guy thinks the weak should die and then he's in charge of a whole event where we see how strong people can get like it yeah it's all very eugenicsy. it's just with
0: that one quote
1: so yeah yes. <laughs>
0: so it's like You know, there is one thing where it's like, oh, fun, let's play a game. And then they're like, what are you, like, where you're just like, wow, this is not, this is, this is about something bigger than just, like, watching some sports. Yeah, this guy's
1: one step away from let's uh, make all the winners breed to create a master race. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This is gnarly. There's,
0: (laughs) oh my gosh, like, when I say that there are, like, uh, there's, like, an entire book on, like, basically, like, how fucked up the Olympics are wow. like in its history like it's but um okay so we a, hate this guy yeah there's a lot of you know yeah. this there's a lot of bad bad know, shit we hear there's about, more bad shit yeah I can wait we for, hear okay. we've heard about abolishing ice the police you know prisons but maybe the Olympics should be abolished as well in their current form yeah. and specifically starting with the upcoming Olympics in Los Angeles oh yeah Um, there's a lot of stuff online about the Olympics. Uh, I got, uh, I found a lot of really good information from the group. No Olympics, which is, uh, no Olympics one Oh. Okay. Um, and so this may be familiar to many of you who have seen like infographics and stuff. Um, but they have like a lot of really good, like factual information on like, wow, the Olympics fucked up idea for LA 2028, maybe. Um, What do you think the Olympics will be like in LA as someone who lives in LA?
1: Um, Okay, so my first thought is where will it go? Because LA has, we have that R1 zoning everywhere, which means that like we don't have urban density the way other major metropolitan areas do. We have a lot of single family homes and a lot of single family homes means that everything's spread out over a large area, which means we have a lot of traffic obviously. And you have to travel pretty far to get, from one place to another from, for the average person. So first of all, I just can't imagine spatially where there's room to put the Olympics here because there's, like I said, not a lot of urban density. So there's a lot of competition already over land. Like we don't have just available land hanging out places that's not being used, you know? so. That's the first one. The second one is what will it do to traffic, obviously, because already everything's so congested. Oh, is so bad. Trying to get from one place to the other. So, I, yeah, I think that all of my ideas about it, I'm just like, how? Logistically where? Yeah, I don't... I'm I'm in my head right now, like I have an overhead map going in my brain of Los Angeles. Oh, I feel like it's. Oh, it's gonna be like. I'm like Griffith Park. Are they gonna do Olympics in
0: Griffith Park? There are some stadiums and places that are still left over from '84. Okay. However, um, that still doesn't mean that it's not gonna you know cause traffic and displacement and all this other stuff. Um, Basically, no Olympics has a really good. Um, FAQ section and I'm kind of paraphrasing like all the reasons like why it should not be in LA I have like a couple points okay uh the first one is mainly only rich and powerful people run it um no community organizations are represented um in the Olympic bid committee right now it's like Eric Garcetti politicians executive and athletes um so basically none of us like people who live in LA who are just normal residents really have any say. Um, and we don't even know who's in charge of the 2028 planning because Eric Garcetti won't be around in 2028 due to term limits. So
1: right. That's our mayor friend anybody yeah, LA. We hate him. Yeah.
0: There's a bunch of corruption. There was an article about how Casey Wasserman's family donated to David Ryu oh, that, yeah. you know, has something to do with, the vote and there's just like notorious corruption. Like you can read articles about corruption uh, during the Salt Lake City Olympics. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, there's just a very, it's very opaque. So,
1: okay. So basically the Olympics people come into a city and they bribe all of the politicians to be like, you want the Olympics, you love the Olympics, let the Olympics happen here. And then the politicians are like, I took your money. Yes, I love the Olympics, right? That's like that's what it seems like to okay. me. Yeah, that's, that's what's what going
0: it, on. Um, All right, shoot. Uh, people think like, oh, it's great for LA. It'll create jobs. Um, there is no reason to believe that it will create any sustainable jobs. Um, also, we don't really have... I mean, COVID obviously has
1: raised our unemployment rate, but I think the more pressing social issue in Los Angeles
0: is we need housing. Yes. So um, basically, uh, yeah basically um it worsens that that's you know it worsens oh. the housing crisis uh this is a quote from them since the primary cause of homelessness in Los Angeles is the lack of affordable housing the olympics will likely create a huge spike in displacement and homelessness accelerating gentrification and real estate speculation so even if there are some stadiums that are already built it's still they have to refurbish them they're going to displace people do you know renting airbnbs like Oh, yeah. It's there's it's going to cause displacement s- displacement or housing prices to increase almost certainly. Um, in Rio de Janeiro, I read an estimate um, in the uh, that an estimated seventy seven thousand people were displaced wow. during that Olympics, and in Tokyo, uh, there was an article in the Nation's about um, Olympics displacement where there were a few um elder adults who have been displaced twice by the olympics in their lifetimes to make you know whoa so even if it's like to me it's like even if it's like exacerbating the um housing crisis in la worldwide it exacerbates the housing crisis
1: also okay this makes me think of if we have to build any stadiums like los angeles already has like a rich legacy of kicking like Indigenous people, well, obviously the whole United States has a history of kicking indigenous people out of their homes, which is fucked up and terrifying. Um, That's what the United States is. But specifically where, like, Dodger
0: Stadium was Mm -hmm. built. Oh, it's so messed up. There
1: were all of those people who had lived there for centuries, and they were kicked out of their homes. They were dragged out. People were crying and screaming. You know, you can see photos, actually, of this happening. So they could build this stadium, and it's horrifying and harrowing to look at. And a lot of those people were i don't know like hispanic or like latin i i always get caught up on which terminology means which because i'm stupid but they were like predominantly mexican americans or like hispanic families so it was like this really racialized thing too where you're like white people with money are coming in we're taking your land and we're kicking you out and it's just like the same thing that happens over and over again in the united states yeah
0: and like it it definitely will worsen the housing crisis here and like other social like issues like it, you know, people say, um, you know, it'll boost the economy. It, it won't boost the economy for most people. It mainly will go to, um, real estate speculators and developers. Um, and okay. So, and people are like, oh, well, the 84 Olympics were profitable because it was all done with private money. However, um, the city legally cannot use any profits for the olympics for um the housing crisis for social programs for anything other than youth sports initiatives they can legally cannot use any money uh that that's all that they are legally allowed to use the money on um yeah and it's most likely going to go over budget um most games uh i was reading uh go have average cost overruns of 156 percent wow yeah um you know we were talking about public transit before it does people will be like oh well it will expand you know the subway you know it'll expand public transportation it will only expand uh, public transit for the games Right. Not for people who need it the most. So there will be more public transportation to maybe the stadiums. But are we going, you know, that I feel like the average time you have to walk between bus stations in many places is like, is that going to really increase for people who aren't in the vicinity of the games?
1: Right. How, how does it work? Do they just like pop a bunch of stadiums around town and they're just like different events are held in each one?
0: There are, so... I'm not quite sure of all the logistics yet. It seems like a lot of places they're going to be used from, you know, the stadiums that we already have in place. I think there's going to be some events even out in Orange County, and oh, even wow. as far out as the IE. Uh-huh. So that is something that I'm not super familiar with. As far as I can tell, um, Los Angeles won't have to erect any new stadiums from scratch, Um this is also a quote from the Olympics. There will still be massive amounts of construction and renovation on existing structures. And thus a considerable amount of risk for these projects to go um, over budget. Got it. So okay. there will be some like renovations and stuff, but there's not going to, they're not going to build like the Coliseum. Again, <laughs> right. Okay. Which is like, so people are like, oh, yeah, that means, it, it's not, it's still not very <laughs> beneficial. No. And, and like. From what I was reading on their website, they, I think there's this idea, most people want the Olympics, where they're like, we cannot prove that most Angelinos want the Olympics here. Yeah. Um, I don't
1: know of anybody who cares about the Olympics personally. Yeah. So I can't imagine that there's large contingencies of people like, bring us the Olympics. Yeah. And um, I think most of us literally just want affordable housing. I think that's like, I think that's, like if you fine. i think if
0: you ask someone like in l a like what what impacts you the most here'd be like uh it's housing is exorbitantly expensive and there's an artificial housing shortage created by corporate real estate developers yeah it's like there are definitely enough apartments and housing to go around. right, it's wild, yeah, and you know leading up to the tank things it's going to basically um what will happen uh during the olympics here you know in terms of like it will create something called like a national security event uh-huh so that is like um the super bowl the republican national committee the world cup uh, these are typically things that are designated as national security um events Basically, what it means is increased FBI presence, increased CIA presence, increased DHS, like. More cops. More cops, so. Different types of cops. ICE immigration raids. Oh, um, there's, there's a story about the last Super Bowl, how because it was a designated uh, national security event, that is why 21 Savage was taken into uh, custody.
1: I don't know anything about 21 Savage.
0: <laughs> Um, he was, his family technically over, he was, I think he might technically have dual citizenship in Britain. Oh, okay. But they, and he was like, I had everything sorted out. It basically, he wouldn't have gotten in any problems if he hadn't played the Super Bowl. Whoa. Yeah.
1: Also like Los Angeles, we have in California in general, but especially in Southern California, we do have a lot of uh, undocumented immigrants here and ICE is obviously fucked up and horrifying and also like you probably remember this ice didn't exist until after 9-11 yeah yeah like we didn't grow up in a world with ice so to Mm -mm. grow up to be a teenager when ice hit and really see what that did to communities especially where i grew up was predominantly hispanic specifically mexican and mexican-american families like to see what that did to communities was really really harrowing it's
0: so fucked up and it's it's it, it seems like the Olympics should be a subject where it's like, oh, the Olympics, but it's, like, really, like, harrowing.
1: Yeah, that is so fucked up. I mean, just the – I'm, like, right now my mind is just reeling with, like, what LA would look like with more ice because um, for a while, like, a lot of residents had, like, kind of pressured police and sheriff's department here to, like, not comply with ice, like – and that was a major thing. I don't – it's just when, when a lot of your community has – immigrants in it, like one of your communities made up of a lot of immigrants, the idea of just alone increased like immigration and customs enforcement in your town, in your city, a place where up to date, you've had some success, not letting them completely take over your city, which we've had some, it's not been great, obviously, but just thinking what they would do with unchecked power here. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's that's what I keep getting stuck on. And obviously, any form of police. But specifically, yeah. ICE is really scary to me.
0: Yeah. This is from also from New Olympics. Um, quote, this will put our local law enforcement under the control of federal agencies like the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI, which have already shown a tendency to treat members of marginalized communities like criminals. All people within the NSSE zone, possibly all of LA County and Long Beach, could could lose a host of constitutional rights including the right to protest on public land and the right to not be searched or questioned
1: yeah that is and also los angeles like the city proper like i think people have in their heads that la is just like a bunch of rich white people but the reality is like la is a bunch of working class people of color that's That's what LA is. And the rich don't live in LA City. They live in like other cities around LA County, like Mm -hmm. Calabasas, Santa Monica, West Hollywood, all of which are not Los Angeles City. Mm -hmm. So do you think about the people who actually live in LA? There's a lot of working class people of color. That's like the backbone of our community. And yeah, all of these police agencies specifically target the poor. They specifically target people of color and like to give them more power than they already have, which they already have too much power. It's already completely corrupt, completely racist, completely like destroying people's lives here. The idea of them having even more power and just kind of this blanket umbrella under which it falls. It's like, well, it's for the Olympics is really, really scary.
0: Yeah, and you know, besides all of these government agency coming in they um are other privacy concerns i was reading an interesting article uh about the tokyo olympics and it's uh the 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 quote first ai secured olympics uh has security robots oh Um, i mean i'm torn because i like robots but i hate security uh this is from an article um in deadspin um quote The robot is designed to scan crowds and target individuals who are, quote, jittery or have skin that is too red-tinted, as these are supposedly signs that someone is about to commit a terrorist act. Oh, that won't get racist. It can also scan faces and cross-reference them with law enforcement databases. These robots will be scattered across Haneda Airport in advance of the Olympics and then deployed widely once the events begin. As cities across the United States move to ban facial recognition, the Tokyo Olympics will push Japan to expand the technology in unprecedented ways. You will not be able to get into an event without handing over a scan of your face. That is wild. That seems like Minority Report. Do you remember that movie with Tom
1: Cruise? I love Minority Report, first of all. (laughs) Of course, I remember. Um, But yeah, I actually just watched this documentary on Hulu, I think, about AI technology. And obviously, like we know that AI technology is, extre- is extremely racist because What it does is it compounds existing data and uses it to create algorithms to predict future data. But the issue is that because of how racist like all of human history has been, but especially the United States, a lot of the data we have here is super racist data. Oh yeah. So when you compound that and then you put it into algorithms, what it does is it creates like this basis that seems very like unbiased. It's just data, it's just science. But in reality, it's science built off of like psychological tendencies of centuries of people being super racist so you know it ends up creating like this omnipotent god that can't be questioned and that that allows us to do things like over policing or to um use like racial profiling and all these really fucked up things and it just gets compounded into the machine basically and then we say oh it's not really there because the machine has no bias but it has our bias. They yeah. have our bias. Who
0: creates the machines? Right. The people <laughs>
1: writing. Yeah, exactly. And it even goes down to, this would be an interesting like, episode on its own, but how um, like, some AI doesn't even recognize people of color's faces Whoa. as being faces like there's this black woman who does a lot of IT science and she was in this, I wish I could remember the name, but this Hulu documentary. And she was talking about how AI doesn't even work on her and her other black friends' faces, like for face scanning. Whoa. She's like, yeah, I had to wear a white mask to make this AI recognize my face was a human face. And she does this whole video presentation and it was like, this AI that's getting developed and, and because she's intact, she gets to see like prototype stages and everything. So it's this prototype stage and she's like, yeah, all the white guys were like, works great. And then I tried, it was like, literally it only works on white men. What are you talking about? So she did, she like put on this white mask and looked in the mirror and took it on and off. And you could see, yeah, the AI was like, Ugh. a black face, no, white mask. Yes, I see you human. Very, very racist. Anyway, sorry, Tangent. Oh
0: no, oh my gosh. Yeah, so the Olympics create this basically you know, militarization of public space, the secure, you know, securitization quote of public space. And this kind of segues into the reason why LAPD got the tanks in 1984. The reason that they were able to get the tanks in 84 is because they basically wanted to quote, clean up the city before the 84 Olympics. So of course they use the budget from the Olympic committee to basically add all these, like, extra policing things. Um, there's a really good article in the um, Washington Post about how uh, the, um, basically, the uh, the Olympic Games helped militarize the LAPD. Wow. And um, many people believe that the Olympics are the, have are the direct or indirect cause of the la riots whoa Mm -hmm. um there is like a really good long article i like highlighted all of it and i'm like (laughs) i can't quote this whole thing um but basically um like um over like yeah this says from the Washington Post article. It's like, more than 170 police agencies teamed up to create a crime alert network stretching from Oregon to the Mexican border during the month of the Games. The Olympics Major Crime Task Force made up the LAPD, Los Angeles Sheriff Department, and FBI officers conducted mass sweeps toward the Coliseum area of gang members, drug dealers, and homeless residents before the Games. Partnering with the Department of Defense, the LAPD hired additional officers at a cost of more than $20 million. Wow. So it's so- just, Yeah. So basically they are just like... And like gang members, drug dealers. That's like not a thing. Coded Yeah, coded racist words. Yeah. For sure. That's wild. Yeah. So um, there is another um, uh, article uh, by uh, called Want to Understand? The 1992 LA Riots Start with the 1984 Olympics oh. uh, by David Zirin. So basically, the police, the Los Angeles police chief at the time, uh, Daryl Gates, uh, you know, basically was like quoted, this is like at the time, he he basically could rise to power because the Olympics provided a cover for this expanded police force. Right. And basically, he's just like, our strategy is to harass people. (laughs) Sounds about right. It said from 1984 to 89, there was a 33% spike in citizen complaints against police brutality the complaints went nowhere according to a los angeles times investigative report the district attorney's office chose not to prosecute quote the vast majority of complaints between 1986 and 1990 1400 officers were investigated on suspicion of using excessive force less than one percent were prosecuted wow yeah so they basically um were able um to get more budget because of the um olympic game uh from that washington post article um, it notes the lapd used its federally allocated olympic budget to buy an arsenal of machine guns infrared enhanced viewing devices and a radio system for its SWAT teams the uh department also deployed spatially targeted policing operations for olympic security in 1984.
1: Wow. So basically they were like, okay, the Olympics are coming to town. So we have this whole new purview under which we can do really fucked up things and we have more
0: money to do it with. Exactly. And
1: anybody who's like, this doesn't look great. They're like, shh, it's for the
0: Olympics. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And it's like very common in that, um, introduction to that book. I was talking about the, um, power games, uh, the history of the Olympics In the forward of that, um, David Zinn notes, um, You know, he's a sports writer. And he's like, as a sports writer who has covered every Olympics and World Cups over the past two decades, I've learned that every mega event contains debt, displacement, the militarization of public space, and varying degrees of resistance. And that's where I got the idea. I was like, wow, the militarization of public space is just so... Yeah.
1: And anything people can use as an excuse to do that, they will. We see that all the time. And yeah, the Olympics seems like a pretty good excuse. And it brings money. So you get money and the excuse.
0: You get them both. It's like a combo effect. Yeah. So yeah, Olympics. Very, very heavy subject that I thought would be like, there. You know, once I looked into that, I was like, wow, I had... I, th- I thought they were bad, but I had no idea. Yeah. But, um, oh, one last question. Yes. What do you think an alternative uh, should be out there for people who actually like the sports ball games? Hmm. Okay, so I don't know what people who like sports
1: should do because um, when I met my par- partner, for example, he really likes sports and I was like, what, why do you like this? It's just simulated warfare activity. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, look, it's people from different places and they battle each other to see who has the most physical strength. And they're like, we good people from other places bad. And it just increases like xenophobia, you Mm -hmm. know, and like that nationalism thing, like if you extend it, even like within the United States, when we see like NFL games and it's like LA versus, I don't know, any other city, right? You're just like, we hate the other city, LA better. (laughs) Um, yeah, so the Olympics doing that like at a national level where you're like, our country better, your country the worst. Ah, You're like, whoa, wow, that sounds like it could get into racism real fast and xenophobia and fear of the immigrant. Ha ha. So, um, yeah, I really don't know. Even like the only sport I kind of like is hockey. And I went to a hockey game like before COVID and we were playing. It was like L.A., the Kings versus a Canadian like team. And I found myself slipping way too easily into hating the Canadians. Like I was like yelling, I was like, Go back to Canada you know and I'm like, I don't even hate Canada like I have Canadian friends you know <laughs> so but no very very quickly I'm like these smug Canadian fucks you <laughs> know? Like, so I, I see it even in myself you get very like we good they bad and it creases all these like we they mentalities that already tear society apart I, I don't know I am not a sports person I don't think sports bring anything good into society and even after I explained all this to my partner the next time he watched um football he was like Oh, I get it. It's like hyper aggressive, it's hyper masculine. Uh, You know, it is very ableist, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, plus we're literally yelling shit like kill them, kill them, destroy them. I'm like, yeah, it's simulated warfare. It's simulated warfare activity. That's like what organized sports are. But I know that there are like other types of sports that aren't that aggressive, that don't have all the USA marketing and branding that goes along with them, that makes them hyper nationalistic and patriotic. like. Like the Cool Runnings luge, that wasn't hurting anybody, right? Just, yeah, that's a fun slide. So there has to be something, but I would I would think that the way to combat it would be, like first of all, the teams can't be regionally based, like hmm. to get rid of the regional basis for it. That gets rid of the weird like nationalism we they mentality that it breeds. Um, I guess like second of all. Maybe rather than doing like these big events, like big cities, like decentralize it. So you have like events and they're televised or whatever, but they're all around the world in like small places. And it's just like one small game here or there. So it would be the equivalent of of stadiums already hosting sports events, mm-hmm. right? This one just happens to get like designated as, I guess, an, if you're going to still call it the Olympics, like an Olympic game or whatever. Um, to bring in also, yeah, less physical things, more, um, like, artistic, like you were talking about. Like, I would watch architecture Olympics. Like, let's bring in more types of events that aren't built solely on physical prowess. For some reason, I'm thinking of Jenga. Yeah! <laughs> oh let's, yeah, bring in... That's what I think of the architecture Olympics. Yes, Olympics Jenga. I'm on board. Let's Legos. Make it, let's make it lighter. Let's showcase different types of abilities. And the thing I always get hung up on with competitive sports already like as they exist is you kind of talked about this where you're like oh it's like a bunch of rich people doing this I think about this with things like football or like basketball you have all these like rich white men who own these companies and then the players are usually predominantly people of color, right? So what you have is these like white men owning people of color, controlling their lives, controlling their movements because there are certain things they can and can't do even in their personal lives that will like make the team look bad, controlling their livelihoods. And it's just this really fucked up power dynamic. So you would have to like, rem- it would have to all be publicly, publicly funded and publicly owned, Right, you couldn't have these rich people in charge of the Olympics, owning everything, investing everything, it couldn't be profitable for them. You know, you would have to like remove that power structure and just like decentralize everything and do like a horizontal organization. But like, when is, you have to destroy capitalism for that to be feasible. I was just
0: gonna say, it's like um, Scooby-Doo where at the end you pull off the mask and it's always capitalism. It's always
1: capitalism and eugenics. (laughs) It's always capitalism and eugenics because they go hand in hand.
0: Exactly. Yeah,
1: they're like, if you are weak, you work until you die and we do not care and we replace you and if you are strong we find a way to exploit your strength and further maximize profit off of your strength
0: yeah for us and i just feel like it's so weird that we have this mindset that competitive sports is good and it creates care it's like well there are other things that do that or like is competition really the basis of a good society or is it cooperation And I know that kind of goes, I am not a smart enough person to understand all the nuances of that. I just feel like the type of competition that we, you know, is elated or, you know, in the Olympics is really toxic. Yeah. And I just feel like that can bleed into personal interactions. Like we could go so deep into like hierarchy, top-down approach, like how... You know that kind of control rather than you know it says it promotes teamwork but i don't know about that to me it's like teamwork is teamwork everybody works together
1: yeah i mean i think it definitely as a person myself i can get really competitive and that's like a thing as i've become an adult that i've really had to like work on um in myself and i don't view that that competitiveness i don't view that as an asset in my personal life every time that has come up it's been a hindrance, it's been a sign of emotional immaturity, it's been a really bad thing in me. So if we look at like people in an individual level, and you're talking about like what qualities do we want to put forward and like exalt and be like, these are the good qualities that people should have, like competitiveness, like competition, a good spirit of competition, that's never something that would really enter my mind. And I think it's based off this idea that like how do you know if you're like the best you can be unless somebody challenges you?
0: Yeah, that's what I, okay. You know how they say, well, it's like, oh, the, the free market or like, um, if you compete, you know, you create more, um, like better stuff. And I'm like, yeah, like, I feel like I saw a meme that's like, yeah, but now we, now we just have 20 different kinds of mustard and still only two cable companies. Like, does it it really, does it really breed creativity? Does competition really like breed that? I'm so curious. I think
1: it it breeds uh, creative ways to maximize profit. And Mm. that's what you have to think about. It doesn't actually breed creativity. It doesn't actually breed innovation. It breeds innovative ways to make money, which is not the same as innovation. And the thing I think about a a lot is um, like at our work, right? Like we do um, original clothing designs at our work, right? And it takes effort to develop them. We'll work on pieces for a long time. We'll get samples in. We'll be like, oh, this doesn't work. Go back to the drawing board, you know? It takes a lot of energy on our part. And then let's say, you know, we finally get like the finished product in and we're like, wow, it looks good. And then I go outside and I take a picture of it. And it took me years to learn exactly the right way to showcase garments and photos. And I post this photo and this whole process takes hours and hours and hours of work. And then I put my picture online of my garment. And what happens is instantly like within a week, there's all of these um people on AliExpress. You know the mm-hmm. it's like a a website. It's a marketplace website, but a lot of people use it to sell um just like shitty knockoffs. Mm-hmm. And it's not the marketplace's fault, right? But it it is where a lot of shitty knockoffs like thrive and grow. So within a week, if you go on AliExpress, you'll see not not like a few, not like a hundred, like thousands of people using my photo. Of me and my garment to sell shitty knockoffs of that garment. And look, one, it's a scam, right? Because I'm like, I haven't even seen the garment you've made. You're going to try to copy my garment. Who knows how well you'll do, right? You're using my photo of the original. But two, you're like, well, it's innovative. You've innovated a new way to make profit because you have cut out all the work I did. Mm -hmm. You want to sell a garment. Look, this way you don't need to spend the time and energy designing the product. You don't need to fit the product. You don't need to go back to the drawing board and reconstruct the product. You don't need to make the tech pack the garment comes in you don't need to perfect the photo you don't need to style it you don't need to do any of that you have skipped all of that by just taking my work and going yeah yeah we can make that too and you look at it and you're like okay you've innovated a new way to make profit but you haven't actually innovated anything you haven't yeah. given society anything new anything interesting anything of value whatsoever so when we think about like how like yeah competition it it creates It creates something but like that something always exists under a system of capitalism Mm -hmm. so capitalism rewards profit everything at the end of the day is going to circle down to in a system of capitalism competition innovates new ways to create profit
0: yeah and to me it's like what they're saying like instead of you know innovate you know for competition in a sports way instead of like i appreciate the moment of the game it's an art i'm in the moment i like doing this thing that i'm doing it's not about that. It's about winning. You right. know what I mean? And I know it's like, you know, sometimes it's fun to play a darts game or, you know, whatever like that. But it sometimes I feel like it's more insidious than that than we think. And I don't want to be like everything you do that involves, you know, yeah. keeping score in a game. You can't play Scrabble anymore. <laughs> don't take my Scrabble from me. Because you'll hurt someone, you know, but it's like. But I think it's like just something to look about, whether it's like is competition really that helpful or is it really you being in the moment or trying to, you know, produce a product of your time of existence, if that makes any sense.
1: No, it does make sense because what you're saying is like when you when everything is super results oriented and the results you need is like to beat somebody else. Like you remove the artistry from it. Um, and a lot of times also, especially in sports, we, it, it encourages people to push their bodies beyond reasonable limits for their health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And another thing I think about, I know this is in Olympics, but it ties in, I think, is like football like how we're like you have to win no matter what and now you have all of these young really young men getting concussions getting Head traumatic brain injuries and it's we're like so it sad. doesn't matter all that matters is you win you throw yourself at the big guy who cares if you fall down and go boom like and this is just like so built into the culture because winning nothing matters unless you win like winning is everything and yeah you see like we really compromise like our own well-being in the long run and then you're like is this really like okay, so what's this supposed to be? Like, for love of the game, like, are are you really playing the game? And then you see people, like, also use, like, uh, performance-enhancing drugs or whatever. Um, and I saw this one guy tweet once. He was like, I want an Olympics where everyone's on performance-enhancing drugs. Like, fuck it. Let's see how high a man can <laughs> oh <my> jump.
0: <laughs> I love that. And, you know, I was thinking about, because I think people really do like sports because of teamwork. I think yeah. they legitimately love you know, working towards a common goal. And I wish, and you know what? I think it actually, I think working towards a common goal with people is great. If it's a good goal. But I think maybe we should think about instead of just like a goal winning, it's like, well, what about doing stuff for just, I don't know, people in general? Like maybe using that team sports mentality of like character building to move towards something else that can help society as a whole, whether it's like, I don't know, like figuring out ways to like I don't know better society like no
1: I like that I like that because the thing is like the product has to be useful the end result has to be useful you know and that's what we see um like with capitalism where people like capitalism breeds innovation because of healthy competition you're like well that only is true if the things we get at the end are useful, not a hundred different versions of the exact same toothpaste that I don't care about, right? And that's the same thing with sports. It's like, okay, the teamwork is inspiring, but only if the thing they're working towards is useful. And right now what we do, we have these structures of teamwork and and the the goal that they're working towards is not actually useful for anybody. How does it help us if somebody plays a better game of football? It doesn't, but what if instead you were like, oh, like we have like competitive like housing, like we're building housing, we're using all of that team energy to like, do things that actually do have like a positive impact
0: yeah, on the community. I, I don't think people shouldn't have fun. Like I think people can have fun. Ha, you can have fun however you want. Right. I am not, I am not judging how people want to have
1: fun. But the military doesn't need to support it while you do
0: it. Exactly. <laughs> we don't like, need an increased military presence for you to have fun. Yeah. And it's like, I, I also think that people think that if you're doing something you know, dry, like helping someone find how it's not, it can't be fun or fulfilling. Like, it's just, yeah. it's like, a, it's like tr- drudgery. And it's like, no, I don't know why we have this idea that sports are fun, like, but helping people, ugh. Yeah. Maybe, actually, I don't know who says that. In my mind, people think that, but I, I don't know.
1: A, I don't know. I feel like that's maybe, like, a comment. <laughs> I think, so basically what we need is we need, like, Olympic World Challenge. Hey, major cities in the world, here's a challenge Who can build the most affordable fucking housing? Go. Let's bring out your strongest builders. Bring out your best architects. This is where it all comes in, right? (laughs) Contest. Who can house the most unhoused people? (laughs) I feel like that would be a good way to segue the Olympics into something that actually served
0: communities. Right?
1: (laughs) I like that idea. Competitive house building for your neighborhoods. The opposite of displacement. We're in-placing people. (laughs) Okay, so we do have um, a question we're going to answer from our Patreon. And for those of you who don't know, if you pay $2 a month on our Patreon, you can sign up to receive a link where you can um, record a message for us, and we will answer them. And we did do one Patreon-only bonus episode where we answered a few questions, but we're going to answer one right here too, right now for everyone. So we're going to go to the messages. I'm going to play one, and uh, yeah, let's see what we got. Hi, Kenna. Hi, Madeline. Um, This question's probably more for Kenna because I'm from Portland and I know you lived there for a period of time. Um, I'm really into like the local Portland punk scene and I don't know if you were ever involved in any local
0: music scenes, but if you were, if you have like a local band that you would like to recommend, that would be great. Or if not, I would just love to hear some of your stories or experiences from living in Portland. Thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you for, uh, thinking of me and, uh, time in Portland. I feel, um, bad because I have not been there in a while. So I am really out of sorts with the, um, the scene, um, in Portland, but I did enjoy there, um, living there, um, for like, oh my gosh, the food, the vegan food is amazing there like, oh, the food is really good. It's beautiful. Like the nature is amazing. Um, if you're someone who likes uh, like rain, oh, this is, if this is, that place is for you. It's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so um hard describing, um, you know, a music scene, especially I've been kind of out of the loop, uh, playing music for, um, a while due to, um, some personal reasons, but, um, yeah, honestly, I, I think in the last app we talked about, like, you know, being in bands, joining bands, and I always recommend just go out there and do it. Don't be afraid. Just, like, find, go to shows, even if they seem weird, um, go to shows by yourself don't be afraid to do that because i've done that before you can like don't be afraid to do that i think so many people are afraid to like go out and see music by themselves and sometimes it sucks and you're just like uh everybody around here is annoying to me but sometimes it's like really magical because you can just really get into like listening to music without like the distraction of like having to hang out that's true
1: yeah, I really like Portland for yeah. music, too. Like, I, for 10 years off and on, I had, um like, a boyfriend who grew up in Portland. So that was, like, his hometown. So we would go back to Portland a lot. And the he played music. He was a musician. So um, we would go to a lot of shows when we would go back. But, it, of course, this was, like, years ago. It was, like, seven years ago or whatever. So definitely also I'm out of touch with that. But I remember it was always really fun. I liked that... Um, in portland uniquely if you serve alcohol you have to serve food Is yes, my yes that is the law so you could go to a show and if it was in a bar or a more formal venue and
0: not super diy you could always order food at that the show oh i love that so many places in portland you can get food at midnight Cause yeah, you know, yeah like in la i'm like does every restaurant close at 10 o'clock they do no seriously i love that about portland though so it'd be like
1: okay, your friend's band's playing at this like shitty bar, right? So you go to the shitty bar and you get a drink. And then I'm like, fuck it, they got noodle bowls here? I'm gonna get a noodle bowl. And then also like in the same venue because there's a lot of like dancing. There's a lot of dancers, like exotic dancers stripping. So you'd be like, oh, cool. Like your friend's like stripping too. It's just like very, like everything happening in one place. Yeah, in the venue. it's really,
0: yeah, it's really fun. And fun. I the thing I, this was like, so I moved to Portland, I think in like, 2007 8 so this was kind of like like a lot of people were like oh it's the, the halcyon days of Portland but who am I you know yeah. I'm just like whatever rent was cheaper
1: <laughs>
0: that's when I was going to Portland a lot too
1: actually yeah. at the same and time
0: yeah the thing I liked about it when I was like going out a bunch is cause I would go to I would go to all different shows. I would go to DIY shows. I'd go to metal shows. I'd go to techno shows. I'd go to shows with, like, rock bands. Yeah. Like, I've always been someone who bounces around scenes, for better or for worse. Like, when I lived in Denver, um, for a long time, I would go to shows at the local, like, DIY warehouse, um... But then I also live next door to a grindcore warehouse and I go to shows there. That's but, where you were grindcore princess. Yeah, I remember wearing a tube top at like a metal show and someone called me princess. And I was like, what?
1: I love that though. I love, yeah, yeah. you were a grindcore princess. But
0: I, I don't know. I always think that people should just expand like their horizons and just be curious about like what's out there. Cause it's so easy to just get lumped into a scene where you go see the same shows all the time. You see the mm-hmm. same people. And not that it's not good to, like, build relationships And with community. People. Yeah. The community's nice. Yeah. And I, I feel like one thing that I wish that I would have been better about is going to more different things and not being snobby about certain things or snobby about my own project. Being like, this is good. Instead of just being like, I'm having fun. This is a, right. an expression that I need to do. Like, going back to the competition thing we were talking about. Like, I don't know. Like, I loved my time in Portland. And I think they're just in, like every place there's like amazing people and yeah portland rocks
1: yeah my so my boyfriend who had grown up there um who played music a lot he was more his heyday was the 90s so in the 90s in portland the biggest band was the dandies oh i remember (laughs) the dandy warhols were the (laughs) biggest band so i remember him being like Yeah I tried to like cut class in high school because my band played with the Dandies so they were like my friends and they needed people to be in their music video and I was like I'm gonna go be in this music video and cut class and then I showed up to the video and they were like wait are you only 16 because everyone's naked in this video and he was all bummed because he had to go home (laughs) so that couldn't be in the Dandies video dang. Oh my goodness. But yeah I feel like that's like definitely like the scene that I think of and associate with Portland which is like the weird like almost Shoegaze, like sixties jangly revival. Yeah. How would you even define the Dandies? What genre is that? I never listened to them. It's like it's like rock and roll, like rock and roll revival. Yeah, I think. It's, 60s, like, yeah 70s it's like yeah, it's
0: like sixties seventies, like like inspired by like Brian Jones. Yeah, stuff. exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, and I think wasn't there like their musical rival, the Brian Jones Town? Yeah, Brian. What was the band? Brian Jones-Town Massacre? Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: That was their musical rival. And that was like but that's the scene that like my boyfriend was a part of. <laughs> so when I'd go back and be in, like the rocker scene, you know, to hang it's out. It's so
0: funny. I've j I've seen that was so much fun going to so many different types of shows. But I'll I'll also say like anywhere you live no matter where it's like portland or whatever you can find i feel like you can find a cool scene even if it's one other person like i lived in a very small town and there was a music scene like i lived in a town of less than twenty thousand people and we had we i at one point when i was 16 definitely had like a, a shitty noise band
1: yeah that's so cool though that's like the sickest part i mean portland's really big though too like portland's it's, it's pretty big. It's, I think gross, it's right? I think it's like
0: half a million people.
1: Yeah, well, okay, so w- because I grew up in Fresno, there was this point where everybody in Fresno left to go move to Portland. So so if, if,
0: same in Denver. Yeah, so <laughs> if you, like, go to
1: Portland now, you're like, there's all Fresno. Like, if you go back to Fresno, you won't see anybody my age who, like, grew up
0: there. They all literally live in Portland. I feel like there was a time in 2000, between 2005 to 2010, where, like, every person our age group at one point moved to portland
1: yeah yeah it was very much like a thing and i was even like should i move to portland and i didn't i did move to Portland, but yeah no i do i do remember though like a lot of my friends who played music like moved up there and yeah i don't i actually don't know if anything like punk happening in portland though like i've never experienced punk in portland just like rock and roll indie kind of shoegazy like DIY even stuff like DIY like acoustic guitar kind of stuff even but like not I I've never experienced anything punk Have you ever been to a punk show like then? kind of like
0: more like noise, more but, noise and yeah. I definitely had have gone to shows where it was like more like grind or metal and like there were crusty punks yeah there but I never went to like a crusty punk show Oh wait I have a question for you Kenna since you're
1: my age did you guys ever call people oogles growing up.
0: No, I don't know what that no. is. No, okay. Oh, wait. Okay, thank is you. It what, is, is it what we call crusty punks? Yes! <laughs>
1: crust punks! Yes, okay. I learned this on the internet. This is a random tangent. But um, I made this video where I was like, here's what all the different subcultures look like to me. i posted it on TikTok. And everybody, like, even, like, two years younger than us, was like, those aren't crust punks. Those are oogles. And I was like, what the fuck is this word? I've never heard of this. So then I started asking all my friends my age who were involved in punk scenes. Um, like, I asked my friend David, um, who's really cool. He's He and I... Use, like grew up together in fresno and he was part of like the olympia punk scene which is right next to like portland and he's the kind of guy who only has one tattoo but it's a crass stick
0: and poke you know yeah Yeah.
1: so i was like david do you know what an oogle is and he's like the fuck is that so this is a thing in our age oh
0: so it's like um if i said preppy to someone younger than me they'd be like what the hell is that a little
1: weirder though i think because oogle you never hear that word like i didn't hear that word and so now, what we used to call crust punks, they're just like, that's regular punk. That's just punk.
0: They're, hmm. And I'm like,
1: ah! Oh. But it's very I interesting. It, like, a it's a random age thing.
0: Yeah, huh. Yeah, there were definitely different sub of punk, but only, for me knowing, in Denver. Right, yeah. I don't know, I thought... uh
1: I like we had a guy like we called him like crusty Travis like crust punk Travis (laughs) AKA Dirty Travis all of these would work and um he was like the crust dude in our town um but yeah if you were to look at like what kids today call oogles I'm like oh they're like the train hoppy kids the train hoppy punks
0: were crust punks okay so people that I knew who did hop trains like they were in a lot of I wouldn't they were kind of crust punks but they also liked other stuff so I never yeah. Yeah, weird,
1: it's weird, it's interesting. That's a random tangent, but I was just excited to use my new word that I learned from people slightly younger than me on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) If you too would like to leave us a voicemail, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash pickmeupimscared. It is $2 a month, but also you do not need to uh, subscribe. You do not need to give us your $2, that is your $2. You can keep that $2. We'll still be here, whether you give us $2 or not. Thanks so much, have a good one.